Welcome to Weight Loss for Busy CRNA Moms. If you are a CRNA, a busy mom, or a busy CRNA mom, or a woman looking to permanently lose weight, this podcast is for you. I'm your host, Brittany Kolb from Weight Loss by Brittany. I'm a busy CRNA mom and certified life and weight loss coach. And like you, I not so long ago struggled to lose the weight and keep it off. But once I shifted my mindset and learned how I could use my brain to reach my weight loss goals, everything changed. I was able to lose 40 pounds and knew I had to share the secret with others. I'm here to help you achieve your permanent weight loss goals by uncovering what might be holding you back. Let's get started. Hey guys. Okay. I am so excited today about today's podcast. It is going to be amazing. I've been working on it for a while and of course it's titled, but what about these things? So you know, I teach my clients to not eat um, sugar and flour as a way to help them lose weight and keep it off and help make the weight loss process much easier. But people always have questions about like chips and popcorn and french fries and all of these things that like kind of seem like they're a protocol. But we're going to talk about all of that today. I'm going to talk about all of the protocol nuances that I have. But before we do, I just want to remind you guys that if you are a CRNA and you are interested in permanent weight loss, that I am doing a CRNA coaching weight loss group starting this July, and I cannot wait to do it. So if you are interested and you want to learn more information about it, I will go on ahead and put my booking link to my consultation page um, here in the show notes, and you can set up a consultation with me and we can chat about getting you started with the program, which is going to be amazing. I cannot wait. Um, And if you are not a CRNA, if you are a nurse practitioner or a nurse or a busy mom and you would also be interested in group coaching, um, do not worry. I am going to have groups coming up in the fall for you guys. So, so excited. Stay tuned for that. All right. So you guys already know, like I said before, I teach my clients to take a break from sugar and flour. Um as a way of eating pretty much for the rest of their life. I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about the why, but I'll just tell you briefly that taking a break from sugar and flour helps to get you into a natural pleasure cycle. It helps to regulate your hormones so you can better listen to your body to reliably tell you whether or not you are hungry or full. It really just makes the process of losing weight and maintaining weight loss so much easier. And like I said, the purpose of this podcast is not to discuss those things. However, I did a blog post about this recently and um, included three of my protocol videos there. So I'm going to also link that in the short notes that you guys have that as a resource. So when I talk about taking a break from sugar and flour, like I said, people often have questions that start with, but what about this? And what about that? So I just wanted to do a podcast on all of those nuances with the protocol so that you guys can better understand like what's on protocol, what's not, what works, what doesn't, and kind of the why behind it as well. So I think sugar is pretty easy. It's pretty clear cut. When we're talking about sugar, we're talking about things with added sugar, things that are made purely of sugar. We're talking about like candy. We're talking about yogurts with added sugar, right? We're talking about refined sugar, lollipops, you know, ice cream, like cake, frosting, like things that you know very well have sugar. I am not at all talking about things that have naturally occurring sugar, like like yogurt, for example, that has naturally occurring sugar, or fruit, for example, right? Like we're not trying to avoid sugars from those things at all, carrots, tomatoes, no, 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 no. Like 
All of those things are naturally occurring sweetness that is totally fine to be eaten on this protocol and I welcome wholeheartedly and want you to enjoy as much as you want to. I think what is a little bit more cloudy is the concept of flour. Okay, and I think what's helpful is to think about flour um, in its original form. Okay, so, and I literally, guys, I'm not even joking you. I have like pancake pancakes sitting right next to me by Eric Carl because it's like when I was thinking about this, I was like, think about how adulterated like a wheat berry is or a wheat kernel is out of its original form for it to be turned into flour. So let's think about like flour in its original form. So like a wheat berry, right? is the bran, the germ, and the endosperm. Those are like the three components of it before any processing or refinement has concerned, has um, has been done to it, okay? And so I guess what happens is you take that endosperm, which is like the seed portion of it, and you grind it down. You remove the bran and the germ, and that creates white flour. If you're going to do whole wheat flour, you keep all three components intact, and that is what creates whole wheat flour. Either way... The germ is completely broken down into a pulverized, like, you know, powdery substance that is what flour, the end product is, that is flour. So I want you to think about how far off flour is from its original state, right? Like, it is completely unidentifiable from its original form. And this is kind of like the framework for how I base a lot of things and whether or not they're on protocol, right? So, like, for example, I'll tell you this. Like, if you wanted to eat a wheat berry go for it. You can have a wheat berry that's been like boiled or something and put some olive oil on it. That is totally fine. That is totally on protocol. When it is totally processed and turned into something that is completely unidentifiable from its original product, it is no longer on protocol. So if you look at it from this lens, think about like people are like, well, what about corn? What about oats, rice, quinoa, lentils, beans, all of these other things, right? These all routinely get ground down into things like lentil pasta, chickpea pasta, corn tortilla chips, right? But they are like eating something totally and completely different from their original source. Because here's the thing, when you process down a wheat berry and you turn it into flour, it's something that your body sees totally differently, your body digests totally differently. You have a different blood sugar and insulin response than you would compared to eating a wheat berry or even like a corn chip, right? Like if you were to eat a corn chip, which is just, I mean, and I understand, right? Like I've had people be like, but the ingredients are corn and salt and and oil. And I'm like, true, but it is completely unidentifiable from its original source. So So I think it's safe to say that when something is not in its original form and it's been processed to form something completely different that you can't even discern compared to its original form, it's not on protocol. So from this lens, I would take a look at things, like I said, chips already, like not on protocol. You can eat chips, absolutely, absolutely. And we'll get into a little bit more about chips in just a second, um, but they're not on protocol. Same with like, chickpea pasta, same with lentil pasta, same with, um, you know, other like rice flour, quinoa flour, all like the gluten-free alternatives, none of them, all the processed gluten-free alternatives are not on protocol. You can eat lentils, you can eat beans, you can eat rice, you can eat quinoa because they're in their natural state. When you grind it up, it's not in their natural state anymore. 
I will say a fuzzy area is definitely oat flour because, and I will tell you, and I'll actually link this in, um, in the show notes as well, or yeah, I'll put it in my, in a podcast or in a blog pretty soon. Um, I will make oat waffles with my family by grinding up oats, cottage cheese, eggs, some vanilla, baking soda or baking powder and salt. And we'll have them in the morning for breakfast. It's a little fuzzy. I wouldn't do it all the time. I would say we need to kind of talk about what that's being used for. And here's how I kind of approach it at this point. You know, I have my clients eat one joy, eat a week, um, which is usually sugar or flour-based if they would like to. Um, And I think when you're eating oats in this form, and I also put like strawberries and whipped cream on this, like no, no joke. When you're eating oats in this form, it is really, truly, honestly for joy right? It is not really to fuel my body. It is not really to really to just like, like I am actually getting enjoyment out of this meal because I have, I have whipped cream on top and I have, you know, strawberries on top. And it is like, it is like a production, right? Like I I made it with my son and it's like a whole thing. And so I don't think you should make it a habit to be eating oat waffles and just be like, well, they're on protocol because again, it's been broken down so much. Um, so that is my kind of nuance for this. Again, when I work with my clients one-on-one, it's super easy for us to kind of like look and make a plan and be really intentional about it and see if it works and it doesn't. Um, I do think this is a fuzzy area and I've had plenty of people keep this on their protocol, eat it once a week and lose weight and not have any issues. I also think another fuzzy area is like those low carb tortillas and I'm going to tell you, I was very lenient about this um, to start. And I've had plenty of clients keep this on their on my protocol or on their protocol without any issue um, and been totally fine. Again, I just think it's like another fuzzy area because like those types of tortillas, right, they like add a bunch of fiber in and, it, and somehow it makes it all work because like the, the way that your, you know, your blood sugar spikes and your insulin response is, is somewhat blunted. Um, and it is kind of a nice vehicle for like, sweet potato quesadillas or for like putting a nice big like salad and making a wrap and and putting refried beans in them like I get it I totally get it I think we just have to play with it I think if we're doing we have to pick something and be intentional about it and I think if we're if we're doing if we're grasping at straws and we're like what about this and what about this and what about this like be intentional make a plan if you want to keep it on your protocol pick one thing and stick to it um I and I have to say like I I guess I'm kind of partial to this because I lost my weight eating low carb tortillas. And I've had other, you know, other clients also do be totally successful doing the same, keeping that one item on their protocol and um, only eating it a couple of times a week and being totally successful. So I, my heart definitely goes out if it's like, okay, if you really want to do that, that's fine. Um, Since then, I really just, they've kind of fallen out of favor. Honestly, eating flour and sugar now kind of gives me a lot of GI distress. And so I honestly choose not to eat them. Maybe a couple, maybe like once in a blue moon I will, and I won't eat nearly as much as I was before. Like before I may have had like a whole tortilla and now maybe I'd have like half, for example. Okay, so I think we have covered low-carb tortillas, chickpea pasta, chips that are made of corn, for example, like rice crackers. Okay, I think we've got all of that kind of covered. Now let's keep going on this same lens of like things that are totally adulterated from their original form. And I think that the next path we should look at is like juice, right? 
So a lot of people will be like, well, juice is a natural sweetener. Juice is naturally occurring sugar. And I'm like, this is true. However, when you have juice, it all of the protective fiber that goes along with that fruit is stripped right? It's completely gone. It's not going to fill you up the same way. You're not going to, you're going to get a totally different insulin spike from it. And it is going to be, it's just, it's, it's not going to satiate you at all. Like it's not really fuel for your body. And so when you're thinking about like putting juice in cocktails or something like that, like I want you to think about it from that perspective. Like that is truly basically concentrated sugar, completely concentrated sugar. All right. And now I want to talk about smoothies. Right, because you're like, okay, fine, Brittany. So if this is like, if if we want to be eating foods in like their whole form, like having like a corn on the cob with a butter, for example, versus a corn tortilla chip, well, what about smoothies? And I'll say that's like another kind of fuzzy area because for me, again, like you're you're breaking down that banana, you're breaking down the the berries, you're breaking down all the nut butter in there, and you're blending it up and you're turning it into something where you could eat a lot of food in a very short amount of time. I think the key with smoothies is making sure that you limit the volume to like 14 to 16 ounces. Like I said, I usually use the rule of thumb, like if it's more than a pint glass, like that's enough. Um, and just making sure that there's fat in it too. Um, and again, like for me, I lost my weight drinking two to three smoothies a week. And so I have a hard time sitting here saying, well, you can't do that. Um, I think what we really just need to do is we just need to play with it. We need to see if it works for you or if it doesn't. We need to really trial it, really keep it on there, see if it works. If it doesn't work, no big deal. It's not a problem. Um, But again, with smoothies, like things get totally broken down. It's not like eating a whole banana and a half cup of blueberries, right? It's It's like a totally different process. And I think it gives you the opportunity to eat more, a lot more food than you really would want to. All right. While we are talking about fruit, let's talk about dried fruit, like dehydrated, crunchy fruit and um, like raisins, craisins, that kind of thing. I think these are just snack foods that we don't snack. Like I don't, my clients don't snack. We don't snack. There's no, no more snacking. We snack on our body fat um, if we get hungry which we don't get hungry anymore because we're fat adapted. Yay. Um, so anyway, um, these are these are just snack foods. And they're super concentrated. They're way sweeter than um, their original form. And, you know, think about like a bag of dried strawberries. You could take a pint or a quart, whatever denomination fruit comes in, strawberries come in, and you could dry them out and eat an entire bag of them, right, in one sitting. And I think it's a little confusing, right? Because then you look at like the calories, which like we don't count calories, but we look at the calories and we're like, oh, there's only 90 calories in these. I should probably be able to eat all this. And it's like, but it doesn't fill you up. It doesn't give you any, like, you're not satiated or satisfied from it. It's really just a vessel to like, to, to like numb out whatever it is that you want to be like, just, it's really just gives you an activity to do is what I'm trying to say. So same with like raisins, craisins, like you could take a whole bunch of uh, grapes, right? And dry them out and turn them into into raisins or craisins. And they're like concentrated sugar. And you wouldn't even get full from it. You could eat a whole thing of grapes and you'd be really, really full from it. You eat like a handful of raisins and it's like, oh, that's just nothing, right? They're just snack foods. They don't, 
they don't really fuel your body. They aren't going to help. Now, like every once in a while, sure. Like I, you know, I let my clients have like, if they're on vacation and they don't know what else to eat, like have a Lara bar, have like an RX bar, not something to be eaten routinely, but like, that's a date. It's a dried date. Like that's okay. It's going to be fine. Sometimes they put other dried fruits in there. Like it's all right. Not a big deal. Um, all right. All right. So like, what about popcorn and what about French fries? So I think popcorn kind of, popcorn and French fries are in a little bit of a different category because popcorn and French fries, if you think about it, are truly foods that are utilized for entertainment and like that's it. Like, so I really don't want you going to McDonald's and being like, oh, French fries are on protocol because they're like, you know, they're, they're potatoes and their oil and salt. And I'm like, yeah, but like they don't serve you nutritionally. Like they are not fuel for your body. Like they are there truly for you to like enjoy. And I'm not saying you can't have them. I'm just saying don't eat them and be like, well, they're on protocol because I really don't consider them as on protocol. I'd say if you want to have a, a thing of buttered popcorn as your dinner one night and go to the movies or something, hell yeah, do that and make it good. Like a lot of butter, like don't mess around with it, like really enjoy it. But like, don't sit here and be like, well, this is on protocol and I want to eat it like, you know, after dinner is like a snack. Because again, we're not snacking and we're only eating food for fuel. And then I want you to, something I, I was talking about today with my business coach, it's like, if you're grasping at these things, if you're like, what about chips? What about these? What about that? Like, and you're like trying to figure out what it is you can eat. That tells me we have a lot of, of work to do on over desire like a lot of work to do on the desire that you have for these foods. Like if it is something that seems so urgent to you that you're like, I cannot even believe I would live a life where I wouldn't be eating chips every day. Like we have some work to do and that's totally fine. We can figure that out. That is not a problem at all. We can decondition that over desire. It's happening with my clients left and right every day. Um, And it's mind blowing, by the way, the freedom that they have around food is just phenomenal. And the fuel that they're feeding their body, they're like, it feels so much better to give my body fuel and to feed my body fuel than eat chips and processed food all the time. It's just amazing. So anyway, that is just an aside. All right. So I think this is pretty easy, but like, what about honey? What about maple syrup? Those are both naturally occurring. Again, they're naturally occurring like straight sugar. Um, they're going to spike your insulin. You can have those things, but have them in conjunction with your joy. Um, absolutely. It's, 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 I think it goes without saying, I know it'd be nice. And again, I think if you are asking that question, you may have a little more of a desire or you're just like curious. It could be one of those two, one of those two things. All right. So then it's like, what about, uh, booze? Oh my God, people, (laughs) people are always like, can I drink? And I'm like, yes, it's going to be fine. (laughs) The real question is why you're drinking right? Like we're not drinking on this program to help make your day feel better. We're going to teach you how to support yourself and not need alcohol to do that. Um, if, but if you would like to, what we do, what the way we do it is yes, you can drink. Um, we plan for it. We make a plan and we incorporate it into your weekly plan that you make, right? Like now I want to say, like, do you think, like, you're like, well, I usually drink two glasses of wine a night. I'm like, well, do you think that drinking two glasses of wine a night and, like, losing weight really go hand in hand? Like, do you think you're going to be successful in this program? And, like, why are you drinking two glasses of wine? Like, why do you feel like you need that? So, yes, and I'm going to say, like, pure honesty, I drink about a bottle of wine a week, which one of my lovely clients explained to me is about five glasses of wine. 
my glasses are a little bit bigger. So it's about four glasses of wine and that's fine. Um, but yeah, and I plan it. I decide very deliberately that I'm going to sit on the couch or sit outside by the fire with my husband and I'm going to catch up with him and we're going to have a couple glasses of wine and I'm going to plan it and it's going to be, and I'm going to enjoy the heck out of it. Absolutely. So yeah, drinking is totally and completely available to you. I think when it comes to wine, like red wine has the least amount of sugar than white. Rosé wine has a ton of sugar. And then as far as like, I mean, I would say your best bet is going to be like vodka, soda, like in a, and like some citrus, like natural citrus, for example. Um, I think you're going to be much better suited having those things. And honestly, once you have all the sugar and flour out of your system, drinking like really sweet drinks is just going to make you feel like shit. So um, I would say, yeah, that. Beers, again, they're like super heavy. I don't know. I really I haven't really even haven't like explored the idea of beer, to be honest, because like, you know, I have my clients will, if they're going to drink a beer, again, they're just going to drink like one, maybe two and they're going to plan it and they're going to enjoy it. And honestly, like when you lose weight and you don't drink as much, like your tolerance for booze, like I used to drink four glasses of wine, no problem. And now I'm like, ah, two. And that's it. (laughs) Like if I drink a third, the next day is no fun for me. All right. I've covered a lot in this podcast, but I think the last thing we're going to talk about is like what works for um, intermittent fasting. So... For intermittent fasting, if you are trying to stay and like do an insulin fast, for example, um, the recommendation is to do like no more than a tablespoon of heavy cream in your coffee because there's no sugar and heavy cream. It's not going to cause an insulin spike, not a big one anyway, um, to help keep an insulin fast going. So if you're trying to fast for 18 hours or 24 hours or whatever, like that is totally fine. Of course, water is fine. Teas are fine. Like green tea. There's some people saying that like fruity teas might cause an insulin spike. I think the thing is, is when you have a lot of flavor in something, it kind of gets all of like your digestive juices going. I think it can sometimes make you um, even more hungry because it tricks your body into thinking like, oh, I'm going to get some food, right? And then all of a sudden you're like thinking about food. And I just, I just think sometimes it can make the fasting process a little um, more difficult when you have things with flavors like that, like a fruity flavor. But like green tea, for example, is actually an, amp- an appetite suppressant. When I was first learning to fast prolonged, I would drink some green tea and it was great. I don't know if it was just in my head or what. I don't do that anymore, but um, that is available to you. Um, another question was, oh, obviously bone broth is totally fine. And then uh, Another question was about, oh yeah, um, sparkling water. So Jason Fung, Dr. Jason Fung, Obesity Code, author, brilliant, um, super interesting. Please read that book if you haven't already. It is so, so good. Um, He says that sparkling mineral water is fine while fasting. He says sparkling water is fine. Of course, staying hydrated while fasting is really, really important. But he says to stay away from, obviously, artificial sweeteners. Oh, I haven't talked about that yet, so I need to. Okay. Um, artificial sweeteners, um, artificial flavors, and things like that. Um, the trick is that some of these things have this, like, mysterious natural flavorings on here. And, like, yeah, there's no calories involved. But it's it just makes you wonder, like, what does that do to your insulin? I just don't know. Because think about it this way, right? Like, Diet Coke which has, which is sweetened with like aspartame or whatever, sucralose, I'm not sure. Um, 
but it's got it's made of it's got nat- in artificial sweeteners in it, right? It has no calories, but that's gonna spike your insulin like a motherfucker. Like it is going to cause you a huge insulin spike, as if you've already had a meal and a huge insulin and a huge sugar crash as well. So, you know, it just it just makes you wonder. At this point, I have navigated towards having sparkling waters that don't have any flavoring in them. I drink that like blue Lacroix. <laughs> one. Um, every once in a while when I can't get that, I will have like the watermelon one. Um, I think the other question is, is like, why do you need those things? And like, how are those things serving you? And like, what are you using those things for? Because I know some people will drink like three or four of those in a day. And it's like, is that a, um, replacement for something else? Is that, you know, just, just something to, to consider and think about. So yeah, artificial sweeteners are super tricky. And like, here's the thing, guys. There's like, there's two things. There's two things. There's there's natural, naturally occurring sweet, like things from fruit, right? Okay. Then you have natural sweeteners, which are like stevia and like monk fruit, I guess. And those things... Per Jason Fung, Jason, we're like on a first name basis. I wish that'd be so cool. Um, those things are going to spike your insulin bad, just like sugar, maybe even worse than cane sugar would. And so, and then you have the artificial sweeteners. And I think the artificial sweeteners are much easier to like not pick up on, like, or to pick up on because it's like, yeah, you know, like Diet Coke is made of some sort of artificial sweetener. Um, the sucralose, the aspartame, those those types of things. Um, so now, you know, I was looking at my husband's triple zero yogurt situation, which is so, so sweet. And I was like, why is this so damn sweet? It says it doesn't have any artificial sweeteners in it. And I was like, son of a bitch, it has stevia in it. I was like, no wonder. And I'm sitting here thinking, oh, this isn't, you know, there's no artificial sweeteners. And I'm like, uh-uh, nope, this has stevia in it. And it makes it outrageously sweet. It makes it tend like so much sweeter than regular yogurt, whatever taste. And so I just want you guys to be cautious when you see things that have artificial sweeteners or even they say no artificial sweeteners, they probably are sweetened naturally. Like yogurts, for example. Really, this is the only thing, the only places where I've seen this are like yogurt, where if it's like a yogurt with any kind of fat or flavoring in it, usually is sweetened with stevia. Um, Also like almond milk. It says like no artificial sweeteners, but there is some sweetness in that. And I think usually that is sweetened with stevia. And my chocolate almond milk also has some sweetened sweetened with stevia. So and I said this before and I'll say it again. Like if if you are going to have a sweetener in your and you're gonna eat it, and that's fine. Because just because those things exist doesn't mean that you can't eat them and not lose weight. It's just it might make the process a little harder. Again, I ate them. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to have them in conjunction with a meal. So if you're having, like, if when I have my overnight oats with my chocolate almond milk, I ha- that's my meal. That's my lunch. I'm eating that, right? I'm already getting an insulin spike. I'm not going to, you know, it's not an extra one. Where I see the problem is when people are snacking and we're having a yogurt, like, between lunch and dinner and we have a big insulin spike because we're having yogurt with stevia in it and it's spiking our insulin. Or in your coffee in the morning, right? Like if you want to put stevia in your coffee, that is going to cause you an insulin spike. You might as well have a meal, basically, if you're going to put in, like put any kind of sweetener in your coffee. Um, 
So that is my um, suggestion to you about those things. And I think I'll circle back to the idea of if you are desperate to have the sweetness in your coffee or sweetness in your life or having like the sweet flavor, right? It tells me that you have a lot of over desire for sweet. It has, you have a lot, and that makes perfect sense, right? Our brains are are programmed to want that sweet because it gives us like a huge dopamine hit. It helps us, it helps us feel good, right? Like this is like a normal hun- functioning human brain situation that we just have to decondition, right? Because like in this work, do you want to be the person who is like addicted to sweet? Or do you want to be a person who just eats food as fuel, and food that's delicious and fuels their body and like isn't worried about whether or not something is going to be like super duper sweet. And if you're eating a lot of sugar and flour and you really rely on that sweet, again, it just tells me that your taste buds are conditioned to really desire that sweet. Your brain is conditioned to really desire that sweet. And we can downplay all of this. I think I did a post recently about the fact that like, I'm eating fruit for fucking dessert, people. Like, and if you would have told me that two years ago, like I would be eating fruit for dessert, I would have punched you in the mouth, just like Ted Lasso. Like, seriously, like I used to be like, oh, dark chocolate, that tastes so bad. And now I'm like, oh, dark chocolate is actually really good because I used to have these taste buds that really, 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 really wanted the sweet things, really, really wanted the brownies and the cakes and the frosting and the Cool Whip, right? And now, those things taste almost like too sweet to me sometimes. Those things are like overwhelmingly sweet. And I prefer like the natural sweetness of like natural fruit and like berries and whipped cream is totally acceptable and like chocolate is totally acceptable. So like if you are that person, we can work on that. Like we can help bring your hormones and your taste buds back to like a natural pleasure um, level so that you don't desire the sweet so much. And it's going to make you feel so, 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 so much better too. Okay, I just perused back through my notes one more time and I think I forgot one more thing about intermittent fasting. And okay, so what about putting some lemon, lime, or cucumber in your water if you're intermittent fasting? Dr. Jason Fung says that's okay. He says it's all right if you want to flavor your water that way. He says it's not going to produce enough of a um, difference in it, like from a sh- adding sugar perspective for it to really make a profound difference in your fasting state. Now, of course, like it depends on what you're fasting, right? There's so many different kinds of fasting. For me, my only concern is whether or not you're spiking your insulin on your fast. Like we are trying to have an insulin fast here. We're trying to have a, a place where your body is keeping their insulin, its insulin as low as possible. So you stay out of storage mode as low as, as, low as, as long as possible, excuse me. And so we can reverse any insulin resistance you may have. So that is my main concern. I am not here for like produ- getting you into a state of like autophagy or anything like that. Like I am just here to keep your insulin low and to help you lose weight if that is what you would, should want to do. So, all right. I was just looking back through my notes one more time and I realized that I forgot to talk about French fries. And I know a lot of you guys have air fryers. You know, I love the air fryer. And here's the thing. If you are taking a whole potato and you're cutting it up, and you're adding oil, and you're adding salt, and you're putting it in the air fryer or your oven to make potatoes or french fries, that is totally fine. That is totally on protocol. That is totally okay. I am. I welcome that. That is not a problem. <laughs> it's when you're like 
going to a restaurant and having French fries and saying they're on protocol. Like French fries at a restaurant that are like just doused in oil and like, you know, totally just adulterated. Like they are, they are eaten really truly for pleasure. They're truly eaten for pleasure and for joy. And so I say, if you want to have French fries and you want to have French fries like that, go for it. Do it. Make a joy plan for it. Go to McDonald's. Have some French fries with some sweet and sour sauce. Enjoy the heck out of it. It's going to be amazing. But don't eat them routinely and say that it's on protocol is my suggestion to you. Holy crap. Okay, I think we covered it all. I think I got all the things, all the questions, all of the nuances out here on paper or in the podcast. And I really hope this helps you. Um, If you have any questions, let me know. And do not forget to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode of this podcast. All right, you guys, I will talk to you later. You've got this. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Weight Loss for Busy CRNA Moms. Make sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss out on our upcoming episodes. And if you like what I shared today, you should also check out weightlossbybrittany.com for even more great weight loss tips, some of my favorite recipes and mindset tools that I use to lose 40 pounds. Once there, you can also book a free consultation with me, Brittany Kolb, your certified life and weight loss coach.